because I have known John Ed Clark, our speaker this morning, for so long that um, I've been asked to introduce him. There's so many things I could say about John Ed, and I'll do my best to hold it down to the good things mm-hmm. And this morning. John Ed is not a preacher by profession. He um, right. currently is and has been for a number of years an elder with Woodward Park Church in Fresno, California. Woodward Park uh, Church is the largest church of Christ in California. And uh, I would imagine that a lot of the uh, uh, credit for the kind of a church that it is is because of the leadership of John Ed. John Ed is one of the most respected men in the church in the west, on the western coast and particularly in California. A sign of the esteem of those who know John Ed and his work uh, uh, is the fact that a week ago yesterday there were 250 people came together in Fresno, not only from California but from other places in the United States, to honor him for the 40 years war- mission work that he has uh, uh, been involved in in the country of Ethiopia. Now, I don't know, that impresses me because if we had a dinner for me, I think we could all sit around the kitchen table. And uh, that in 250, that's, that's quite impressive. John Ed began work in, in Ethiopia in the 1960s and was there for uh, several years. Then he came back to California and, and started a business. And he worked to develop that business, uh, but at the same time, he would spend three to four months every year uh, in Ethiopia. And I would imagine that most of that time it has been at his own expense. I got acquainted with John Ed when we lived about 40 miles apart in California for about the previous five years to our moving here and went to Ethiopia with him once and spent about uh, a month uh, traveling through uh, and visiting the churches there and the work there. And, And, you know, you can travel throughout one of the African countries throughout the bush for about a month and you can get pretty well acquainted. Further sign, I think, of John Ed's Christian gentlemanness is uh, he and I were together in, uh, in uh, Uganda this past summer visiting the Sudanese refugees at a Sudanese refugee camp there in Uganda. And uh, the only place for us to stay that was some place that Americans could stay in that would be like having a tent put up by the side of the road was this place that was called a, a lodge. And that was the only place within 100, 150 miles of where we were staying. But in this lodge, there were a number of rooms, but there was only one of them that had a bathroom. And John Ed insisted that I take that, bath, that room that had the bathroom. Of course, he didn't know that it didn't work except when it rained, right after it rained, when there was water in the cistern. But uh, anyway, he, he wanted me to have that. You've always heard... I'm sure the the little illustration that uh, if you want to know how important you are, take a glass of water and stick your finger down in that glass of water and pull it out and look at the hole that left and that'll tell you just exactly how important in life that you really are. But folks, let me assure you that when John Ed is no longer able to be an elder and work with mission work and help with the mission work in Ethiopia, I guarantee you there will be a hole left in that glass of water. 
John Ed, that's my $25 introduction, and you can pay me any time today that you want to. It's up to you. Thank you. Good morning. We probably just should have the invitation song right now and forget what I'm going to say, because uh, you may not think that much about me <laughs> after I get through. <laughs> so it's good to be here. Always enjoy coming to Nashville. I've been here many times. I, in mission work, you have some organizations in this part of the country that uh, reach out all over the world, and it's nice to work with them, and it's nice to work with churches that work with them. Uh, there's nothing wrong with your hearing this morning. It's my voice. Uh, I have a little voice problem. I've had it for years, and as soon as my voice figures out how much wind I need to get through, get through, then everything will work out just fine. There may be some in our audience this morning who are visiting. I want, to, I want to personally welcome you here and to let you know that you are among a people that I honestly believe are people of faith and who express their faith not only amongst themselves but in reaching out to others. And if you've moved into the area and you're looking for a place to worship and a place to serve, knowing what I know about this church, I recommend to you to consider coming here. This is a church that believes in truth, that practices truth, and yet is a church that's balanced with grace. Jesus came and brought grace and truth to this earth, and they were balanced. We live in a world that's not very balanced. This is a place where you can find that. And so I do recommend that to you. This little card that, that uh, you found on the pew in front of you, or perhaps on the pew where you are, gives the works that, are in, that this congregation is involved in. Look those over. That doesn't mean that everyone around you is involved in every work. But the people that are involved are leading these works, and there is a place for every person to be involved in them. Paul And Paul, in writing to the, the Roman church in Romans chapter 10, talked about the fact that people could not be saved unless they heard the message. And they could not hear the message unless they had a preacher. And a preacher could not go unless he was sent. And so it takes all of us doing that work in order for the gospel to be taught, whether it be here in Nashville, in the state of Tennessee, in Fresno, California, in El Salvador, South America, Europe, Africa, or wherever it is. You may not be the one who goes, but you can be a part of those that sin, and it takes everyone. There is no one in the Lord's kingdom that's without a work to do. There's work for all of us, all of us to do. Sometimes we wonder, how can we do that? Exactly how do we do that? How are we able to, in our present day, 
do the work that the Lord has assigned us to do. In your presence here a moment ago, a scripture was read in the book of Luke. And it was a scripture that Jesus used to tell what he was about in his ministry on earth. It was a scripture that had been written hundreds of years prior to the day that Jesus said that in the synagogue in the town where he was raised. The Apostle Peter, in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, and talking in verse 21, talking about the, the context of the lesson there, the message there that, that Peter is writing about, is the suffering that Jesus went through. Illustrating to the people that Peter was writing to, he, he was telling them, you're going to suffer. But there's a little phrase there that has more meaning than just being prepared to suffer and to be being prepared to suffer as Jesus suffered. And that phrase says that Christ suffered for you, leaving for you an example to follow in his steps. Jesus came not to tell us how to do God's work, but to show us how to do God's work. He didn't come to tell us just to tell us about God. He came to show us God. He is our example. And as we began to look at these things that, that, were, that was read in the book of Luke, and certainly we don't have time to, to look at all of them extensively, but he first said that the reason that he came was to preach the gospel. It doesn't matter what work we do. In Ethiopia, we drill wells. We grow wells for about a million people so far. A million people that drink out of mud holes or out of dirty rivers or collection ponds. People who, families who, every family had lost members of their family to the diseases that was caused from drinking the water that they had been drinking. You say, well, that's a good work. It's good for their bodies, but it doesn't save their soul. The gospel must be verbalized. That was the reason Jesus said first, that prophecy said first that Jesus came to this earth. Whatever work we are involved in, here, inner city, foreign fields, wherever it is, first and foremost, always, we must be preachers and teachers of the gospel. In the next hour, Brother Don is going to be talking about the preaching school plans in the country of Sudan. We'll be doing other works, and you will be doing other works in that country. Those works will open the eyes of people to the love that God has for them through the works that you're doing, and will open their hearts to listen to the message that will be preached by the men that are trained in those schools. He also says in that, in that passage that he was sent to proclaim release to the captives. It doesn't matter where we are in this world. This world is held captive. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11? We don't usually think of it this way. He said, come unto me, 
all of ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll release you from that bondage that you feel. There may be some in the audience here this morning that's struggling with some kind of bondage. It may be a bondage of sin. It may be a bondage of emotional distress. It may be a bondage of a loss that's in your that's been in your family. It may be the loss of a job. It may be a financial problem. You may be captive, held captive in any number of ways. It may be that talking about some that are in foreign countries that are living in a state of oppression by their government, by their religious leaders, by the traditions of their families under which they live, all of these things. The Lord has promised that if we'll proclaim his message, and when that message is eternalized, internalized, that it will set them free. He also says that he came to, re, to, re, to restore sight to the blind. I don't know whether they're here or not this morning, but whether um, Dick Stevens and his wife are here, they're probably here the next hour maybe. Uh, anyway, They've been working in Malawi in the Malawi Project. A tremendous amount of good works going on. Hospitals, uh, food production, and so forth. A lot of good things going on. Those, uh, that's part of what we do. We, we, uh, we teach children how to read. We give them Bibles from which to read. Uh, we teach the deaf to be able to communicate. We give medicine. We establish hospitals. We do all of those things. And that's what Jesus said, told his apostles that they were going to be doing. That's part of what we do in our, in our mission work. They were able to see what Jesus did. He was their example. And he gave them the commission to go and to do likewise. In John chapter 8 and verse 32, Jesus said that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And then he went on down in the, in the latter verse and said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What did he mean by that? He was talking to a people who had been held down by the, by the religious elite of their day. They were not only held down by, by sin, they were also held down by those who were supposed to be their teachers about God. But Jesus promised to them that if they would listen to him and understand the truth, that they would be set free from the sin and from that spiritual oppression. So our work in the mission field, our work as we go out, is to preach the gospel, to preach that truth. The last thing that Jesus said in that passage, I want us to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I want us to read a passage here together. Because Jesus said, I have come to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Paul wrote it this way when, and to the Galatians. He said, when the time was fulfilled, God, God sent his son to this earth. Beginning in verse 13 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Excuse me, beginning in verse 1 of, uh, of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul writes this, he said, And working together with him, 
That's Christ. We also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at the acceptable time, I listened to you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That is the essence of what we're about. That is the essence of what this church is about. That we as God's people are about. And whatever ministry we are involved in, and certainly if we're not involved in a ministry, then we're not fulfilling the role that God intended for us to fulfill. We need, we have to be an involved people. When we're involved in a ministry, the focus of that ministry is to seek and to save the lost. That must always be why we do what we do. That must be why we live like we live. The way that we speak, the words that we speak, the attitudes that we have in our work, in our school, wherever we are, in every area of life. People need to be able to look at us and recognize that we are led by something that's greater than ourselves. And when they see that, then we use that openness to tell them the reason that we are who we are and that we are what we are. The gospel and the power of the gospel must be our focus. We can say many more things about the sample, the example that Jesus set for us in reaching out to the lost. Study the selection of the apostles, the team that he surrounded himself with, the commission that he gave to them, the struggles that they went through to understand that commission, the fact that they had to give up before they were able to give out. And they needed that power that he provided for them. We have. We have all of that. We live on this side of the cross where God has certainly blessed us with the opportunity and the challenge to do his work. There may be someone in the audience this morning who has not come to know the Lord. And maybe you don't know everything that you feel you need to know in order to do that. Right now is the time for you to come and to say, I need to know more. And there will be people that will surround you and will help you look into God's word and there find the answers for your life. You may be here and know very well what you need to do. And to know that you have been intending to do this maybe for a short period of time, maybe for your whole life. There's no better time than right now. Jimmy Lovell used to say, the man that started World Bible School, that no man has the right to hear the gospel two times before every man has the right to hear it once. If you've ever heard the gospel, then you cannot ever say to God, I, didn't, I don't know, I didn't know what you wanted me to do. This is why we do what we do. This is why we offer the invitation. 
If you need to talk with someone, let someone sitting around you know that you have a need because this is a people that you're worshiping with that cares for you and that loves you and wants to help you and will help you if you will but just reach out. We are family. Come and be a part of that family. Won't you? While together we stand and while we